I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's Flames Nation Radio, episode 22. I'm Ryan Pike. Joined, as always, by Shane Stevenson. Hi, Shane. Hello, everybody. And this fine podcast is brought to you by the the lovely folks at DoorDash. If you're hungry, you don't want to cook, you don't have time, your life's busy, DoorDash is there to help you out. We're also brought to you by our friends at Eau Claire Distillery and Rupert's Whiskey, the official whiskey of the Calgary Flames. So, yeah, Shane, it's, uh, my goodness, uh, the folks at DoorDash have probably been busy with all these Flames fans the last week or so, and they're going to be continue to be busy because holy crap, holy cow, there's so many games, man. Like, uh, I believe we're recording this on March the 9th, which is the Wednesday, which is the only off day this week. Yeah. Uh, the the Flames, as of the 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 game on March 8th, the the 5-4 loss to the Washington Capitals was the Flames' first regulation loss in a while. It was also their fifth game of the month of, month of March. Uh, they played five of the first eight days. Uh, that was also coincidentally the second game of a stretch of five games in seven days with two back-to-backs, then a day off, then a game, then a day off, then two games. Uh, they play, correct my wrong, Shane, tell me if I'm missing anybody. Off the top of my head, I haven't looked at the schedule the last couple of days. They play Edmonton on Monday. They play Washington on Tuesday. They have a day off Wednesday. They play Tampa on Thursday, day off Friday, Saturday is Detroit in the afternoon. Then they fly to Denver. They play the, the Colorado Avalanche in a rematch on Sunday. And then they fly home again. Yeah, all that, that, that's the week. That's oh my God. That's the week. This is their only week they play five games, I think. But it's still like. It, 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 it's, it leans out. If you look yeah. at the calendar, folks, the, the flame schedule leans out at the end of the month. But, you know, at the end of, you know, I. I I was at the the Flames game against the Edmonton Oilers, uh, and it was it was a slog. I mean, both teams looked tired. Edmonton was at the I think Daryl mentioned that Edmonton was basically they played a, a long road trip, came home, played once, and then flew to Calgary and played here. So they were in the middle of a, a big slog. The Flames were playing. That was their fourth game in seven days. They played their fifth in in eight days the following day. Uh, both teams looked tired in, in Calgary when Calgary played uh, the Oilers. Uh, one team looked tired when Calgary played Washington, and it was Calgary. Washington Washington looked good. I'll give the, you know, we, we use the phrase scheduled loss because the folks, when we say scheduled loss, that means one team was idle and rested and the other team played the night before. 
and usually traveled. Evan, uh, the Washington Capitals played on Saturday, and then they flew to Calgary, and they were just hanging out for a couple of days. Uh, some members of the, uh, the 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 media for the Washington Capitals were traveling. We're at the the Edmonton game. Uh, Edmonton, a couple of Washington Capitals scouts were there. You know, it was they were there early. They got had a chance to basically rest on Sunday. I think they traveled Sunday. They rested. They watched a game on Monday and then they played the team that played in that game on Tuesday. So the, the, I would say the fact that the flames made a game of it was some kind of a minor miracle because if you're playing Washington and you're not at your best, even, you know, the Washington's not, they're not amazing this year, but they're still a very good team with a lot of very good players and they'll, they'll hurt you if you get them time and space. And I think if you they look recently at, got Manta back too. So that was, and, and he's been really, really good yeah. since he came back. He's got that shot. And if, if I'd say Shane, like I'm curious what your take on it was uh, the goals, the flames gave up. Uh, I mean, what they, the two of them, the, the two second period goals they gave up were off of turnovers by the Monaghan line. Uh, one of them was, uh, you know, uh, Connor McMichael drove into the zone, made a nice pass. Lars Eller's shot was stopped by Dan Valdar and his defender, Milan Lucic, picked it up. And then Lucic either hit a rut or lost his balance or he was shooting the puck and he just sort of fell over. So there's really nothing on his pass out of the zone. And it got picked off and ended up in the back of the net. That happens sometimes. Hockey's a game of bounces. We saw in the Edmonton game, there was a, a puck that went off a stanchion and ended up going off the referee yeah. and then go, yeah. went right. And there was another puck that went off a stanchion in that game and went right into the slot. And there was a uh, one that went off the stanchion and ended up in sort of a scramble against Washington too. Like that stanchion, the stanchions on, on the Zamboni side have been kind of temperamental for in the saddle on the last couple of last couple of games I thought, but, I thought maybe the you know brett hitman hart wrestlers i was going to tweet out i was like what did the wrestlers do to the boards like like ever since the wrestling was in here the puck starts bouncing all over the place who's to say they we're, might gonna have have to, we're gonna have to ask Kerr what he was doing they might have gimmicked it but no they uh, but, uh, but i thought you know the the there's you know some an untimely bounce and an untimely bobble and fault and you know lucic fell over like a ton of bricks and ends up back of the net uh, a shift later sean monahan takes yeah. just t- he just takes too long getting a, a, the the puck off his stick in his own zone oh, and, and, and Evgeny kuznetsov yeah like kuznetsov is right in the way swats it down because i'll give i'll give kuznetsov credit it was a good forecheck i mean that's what you're supposed to do if you see a guy taking too long to make a decision you go in on him and make him make a mistake and monahan made a mistake and it got passed right over to ovechkin and if you go ovechkin that much like he's automatic from that that ovechkin ovechkin had a solid five to seven seconds before anyone was going to be near him and he only needed about 0.7 of that to rip it past vladar so that specific one of all the ones of all the goals scored that's the one that i kind of take the blame off if you're going to structurally leave the if, if third, third most best goal scorer in history at this point probably going to be first when he retires alone in front of the net like that your goal don't expect your goaltender to so like so one of them was a bad bounce because you know let's be honest uh i'll, I'll be blunt you screw up when you're tired like when you're fatigued, your decision making is a little bit worse. Your ability to engage is a little worse. You you think too much. You stop just doing things and you think about things. And you know, you know, uh, thinking is death in hockey because it's so much. So much of it is reactionary. And so, two of the goals just guys made mistakes, puck handling mistakes in their own end. They end up in the back of the net. Uh, and the other two goals, I found was kind of interesting. They were actually both kind of similar because what one of them was it was. Yeah, huh? 
Mantha, Mantha is basically just allowed to cut towards the net. And admittedly, it was a really nice play by Mantha, but also a bad read by, uh, by Oliver Shillington. Oliver Shillington isn't sure if he should go at the, def- go at the, the puck carrier to force him to do something or stay and sort of lock him off. And he sort of does a little of both. And Mantha ends up shooting the puck between his legs and over. Really, yeah, over the shoulder for Dan Villajar. Villajar didn't really have much of a chance to, to react because it was sort of a partial screen by his own defender, which, sorry, Dan. Uh, and the other goal, it was uh, Nick Dowd. Nick, Nick Dowd, Dowd, a very, a, a very similar play. Yeah, he was he was allowed to cut into the the home plate area and get a good shot off. And no, you know, both times it was two goals where neither the, the puck carrier was not challenged by the defender and was allowed to get a shot off. And even you know, Nick Dowd is a fourth liner for the Washington Capitals, but he's not a bad player. And if you give him enough time and space, he's gonna hurt you with it. So I, I think those are the types of things that uh, you hate to see, but you kind of understand that you're seeing them when the team's tired. And it was basically just, it was kind of mental mistakes in their own zone that ended up killing them. If you go back and watch the Dowd goal too, immediately focus in on Elias Lindholm because Lindholm was the guy covering Dowd. And as soon as Dowd repped the shot off, he was like, his hands were in the air and he was like, looked back and he like immediately looked at Vladar and was like, oh, sorry, sorry, man. Because he's supposed to attack him. The, the, the point of checking is to not give them time and space to think. And the second Dowd came off the wall, Dowd head faked Lindholm. Lindholm went ducked in and Dowd ducked back out. Like Dowd fucking head, or sorry, pardon me. Dowd head faked. Uh, this Lindholm is a family show, Shane. This is a family I show. I but it was a good episodes. It was 22 it was a, episodes before I swore. I'm pretty proud of myself. It was a nice play by Nick Dowd. I mean, you know, it, he's, but Lindholm, he's, Lindholm put that on himself based on his body language immediately. Now, that's one that's from far enough out and through not enough traffic. You know, Daryl said he didn't like two of the goals. I Dow, think that I think, one was one of them. I'm I think sure. the two goals that he didn't like, I think if you're looking from how far out the shots were, I'd say that Dowd goal and Connor Sheary's goal were from far yeah. enough out that you're hoping that he gets a beat on them. Well, Shears, he got that, he got the first attempt, the rebound went right out and it was from far out, but yeah, his positioning wasn't well enough that he could. And it especially like when, when, when the puck takes a weird bounce like that, if you're a goalie, it's hard to really square up and know where it's coming from. So, I mean, it was, there. Were, I, I would say this about Dan Vladar. Some people give me pushback on this on Twitter and I'll, I'll yeah, provide, I'll provide more than a hundred or more than 280 characters of context here. Dan Vladar didn't give the game away. He didn't steal it either. And they were in a position where the team is playing just poorly enough that they probably needed him to make a game-saving save or two. And he did. Did he give up any muffins? I would say no. He didn't give up any muffins. But there weren't any expected goals that he said, no, you're not getting that one today. And I would say, you know, that's if you're saying to yourself, well, what's the difference between Dan Vladar and and Jacob Markstrom? The difference is what – 5.25 5.25 million dollars in cap hit and the in ability years, to and the years of experience <laughs> and, and the and the ability to make those kinds of game saving saves you know uh, the kind of saves that turn a, a tie game into a regulation win or the types of ones that turn a, a regulation loss into a game maybe you get a point i think that this was the type of game where you know we we've seen plenty of games where the flames i think the montreal game is a good example of the one where the flames weren't great and they were like, man, if the goalie can steal them one, maybe they get a point. And they got a point out of that one. They didn't get a point out of this one. And you could point to the goaltending being one of the differences between those two games. 
But I, I also would say I don't think goaltending is anywhere close to being a weakness on this hockey club. I, I Flodar didn't have a good night. Not everyone's going to play great every single game they play all year. It happens. He didn't let in a low danger goal. Like he didn't let in some random Mike, like, you know, what Mike Smith's been occasionally doing or in Edmonton. Like he hasn't done that. He didn't do that. And the team in front of him was noticeably tired. The, that, that fourth line and their turnovers were also like, a, they're just as suspect directly led to two goals. And Oliver Shillington and Chris Tanev had a rough, everything they did every time they did one thing wrong, it went into the back of their net. Now the, the Manta goal yeah, your D needs to step like the Flames D usually pushes people to the sideboards, and then the third forward. If they can't do that, the third forward's supposed to come in and drive them sideways. It's not often that anyone's been down the Royal Road with no resistance. That's that happens when Zadarov's on the ice. The guy gets put on his butt, and so they kind of just kept backing in and backing in, and Manth was able to get shot off off the rush. That that was structurally that's a structure failed. Like that's a defensive structure failure that I hadn't seen so far in it's especially in the last two months. So they're tired. That stuff kind of happens. The stuff that you forget one off time here that happens when you're tired and there's, they should be. Tired. Oh, how, how, and, how, how many, t- how many times when, when you're driving, when I'm driving, do we almost you know, like you make the, Oh crap, kind of move kind of done. No, 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 that's my turn. <laughs> yeah. Or like you, you forget to, you forget to change lanes when you're supposed to, you forget to yeah. signal, like just dumps, like you do these things a million times and you, you, you don't, you do it without thinking them and you forget to do them when you're tired. So I think, I, I don't think you could completely absolve the team for some of its sins, so to speak, but I think you can understand why they happened. And I think you go, okay, like in a postseason schedule, hypothetically, They'd be playing every second day. You, you know, a two, I think most of the most of the schedule now, they default to two two one one one, two games at home, two games the other team, and then you alternate the other uh, the last home games until the series is over. So mm-hmm. there's not a lot of travel. You basically play every second day. Uh, so I don't think you're gonna have to. You're not gonna have a five and seven in the playoffs uh, hypothetically. No, no, they're going to the playoffs they they give them travel days too. Like they I think it's mandated. In, in the in the playoff in the playoff oh it's also based on TV too, but in the playoffs you'd be playing five games in 10 11 days versus yeah. five games in seven and the extra 34 days of rest does a lot for well, the body and the mind. And whenever the season ends, I'm being optimistic here because it's going to take a massive failure for them to fall down the standings. Uh, they're probably going to have home ice, which means if there's two or three days rest at the end of the se- season, they don't have to worry about flying anywhere. They get to stay home. That's that's another benefit to home ice. And y- obviously, the higher you finish in the standings, the weaker the opponent you uh, you play. It doesn't matter. when the pl- New season, when the playoffs kick in, you got to beat who's in front of you. It doesn't matter who they are. And y- if you win early, you get more rest, right? And, and Sutter teams have, uh, when they won the Cup, those LA team, that LA team that won the 14 cup or the 12 cup, one of them only lost twice. One of them only lost. I think, that, I think that might've been, tw- that might've been, no, that's 14. I think. Yeah. It was 14. I forget. Yeah. They all blurred together. If you want yeah. They, they won. they only lost twice. Once to one and they, they swept two series and then lost the other two and five. <laughs> one. So, <laughs> so I like, 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 you know, that that's the benefit of rest. Hey, go out, win. Now you can get your rest when, after we won. Right. So uh, they, it's still a grind. There's going to be a lot of tired nights. You're hoping that the teams you play are also 
tired and worn out from travel and stuff like that, such as Tampa Bay coming all the way from the east, eastern time zone. Same with Detroit. Uh, Colorado, I think they've played tons here too. So like when they rematch, they're going to be just as beat up as Calgary is. Uh, you got The players got to get up and they got to get motivated for it. And, and a great good news for Calgary is they got a coach and he, the self-defiance, he's great at that. He's great at finding ways to motivate his boys. So, yeah, Daryl Sutter after uh, Andre Mangiapane had a three-point game goes out of his way to say, "Didn't think it was that good." I asked, I asked him, "What do you think of Mangiapane?" I think that was the game where he had uh, uh, he, he sent he sent them to overtime with a really nice pass. He scored a really nice goal on his own, and then he had that uh, that nice set play to set up the other goal. So he had points on three out of four goals. Turned the puck over too much. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, he's not wrong. He's Daryl's not wrong, but it's kind of, you know, your moment moments, the, the wound is still fresh, so to speak. It's, he's sort of poking his finger and it's saying, turn the puck over too much. So I, I don't think they're yeah. going to, I think consistency is not going to be an issue with this team because they have someone who uh, won't let them become complacent. And they've got guys, and, and this is the old cliche. They've got the guys in the room that'll like the, the, their ad to Foley knows how to win. He just went to the cup final again. We always forget. We always talk about his time in LA. He just went to the Stanley cup final with Montreal. You got Lucic, you got Coleman. Like there shouldn't be anyone in that room that doesn't listen to Blake Coleman right now. 13th, 13th forward, Brad Richardson, fourth line Stoward, Trevor Lewis. If anyone's getting complacent, Daryl could just say to everyone that has a ring to wear it one day. And those nice shiny rings that will be floating around the room would be extra motivation for those guys that don't have one. I'm curious about this. I've asked people who've won Olympic gold medals and Stanley Cup rings, what do you do with them? And the short answer is most of them just keep them in a safe. And I'd, I'd, I'd wear mine everywhere. I'd be like, if I was an Olympic gold medalist, I'd be that guy who just has a frigate. If I was an Olympic bronze medalist, if I won, if (laughs) if I got a participation ring, participation in anything like a ribbon from the olympics i'd staple it to my sweater and just walk around outside being like i showed up the olympics I we'll finished print, 27. We'll print your participation picture on a t-shirt and you can wear it every day <laughs> that would work though I, i'm with you though i'm the same the fact that you even got there other than that lady that paid her way to get there in the ski half pipe the one year which is hilarious uh, <laughs> that was funny though it was, was embarrassing for, for humanity but really really funny <laughs> But I'm with you. Like, yeah. So, but I just, that's why I said, like, if you ever need that extra motivation, all Daryl has to do is bump into Lucic and say, Hey, why don't you wear your cup ring tomorrow? Like, just bring it in, just wear it around the facility. We're just having a low practice day or whatever maintenance day. Just wear it, just wear it around and let the guys that don't have one, see what it looks like, you know, like just, just let, and then, and then someone else brings theirs in and compare them and like, oh yeah, this one's got more diamonds. This one has it. And then everyone can sit there and be like, I want one of those. That's, that's motivation. If you're a competitive person and you really want to win, seeing the ring should be motivate more than motivation enough to get going. And that's saying, that's, that's like the last case scenario. Daryl doesn't even need that. I don't think Daryl just, like you said, he's just eh, turns the puck over too much or you know, especially when he talks about the young guys like Rizichka. Oh, there's a lot, a lot to learn. A lot I'll, to learn there. I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. You're not paying Daryl Sutter upwards of $3 million and luring him in from the farm for him to lose in the first round. He's on unfinished business, boys. So we're, as, as we're recording this, we are 11 days, 12 days away from the trade deadline. And mm-hmm. Shane sort of alluded to this previously. The, the Flames have been, they have one line that's absolutely cooking. They have three guys in that line of the top 20 in league scoring. Uh, 
Elias Lindholm, Johnny Gaudreau, Matthew Kachuk, they're, they're good boys. They're playing very well. The second line has been kind of shuffled around a little bit, but it is largely uh, a combination of, I believe last game, it was Blake Coleman, Michael Backlund, and Tyler Toffoli. Mm-hmm. The third line, I believe, was Dylan Dubé, Adam Rizicka, and Andrew Mangipani. The fourth line, uh, Sean Monahan, Milan Lucic, and Trevor Lewis. So if you if you look at how, how things are done, uh, Andrew Mangipani kind of bounces between you know, he was in the top six, and I think you could make a case, oh, he's being punished for, for turning the puck over. And I would I would not say the word punished because I think that's sort of reductive, and I think it sort of glosses over what's actually happening here. Uh, I, I think the Flames are trying to get more than one line going, and they have probably seven guys they think are top sixers, and then they have one extra guy. And when Toffoli was playing with Monaghan and uh, Lucic, he was the he was the the driver on that line, and now I think they want to see if they can get uh, uh, Andre Majapani to be a driver on the line. But it sort of speaks to the Flames' bottom six problem because the, the challenge for the Flames now is they have two lines that you can you know, Backlund Backlund's a metronome. He's old, reliable, old, faithful. Eight hundred games of Backlund, and of the last five hundred, he's pretty much been the same player for the last five hundred games. He's eminently reliable he's a i would not say he's a high skilled player in the sense that you know he he has great puck sense he's got good awareness he knows where to be in all three zones and he just makes it look easy and he might not you know have the kind of dipsy doodling powers that Gaudreau has or even even you know to foley at times but i think you know backland's probably the the you can make a case second best two-way guy they have after 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 lindholm so that's pretty good. I, th- I think that's that's pretty. You're pretty happy with that. Uh, but beyond the beyond those lines, I mean, the big question is, what do you do? Because you know, uh, you mentioned that the that fourth line against uh, Washington were not good, and they were playing at home. Granted, fatigue, but they were playing at home. They could control their deployments. They could control their matchups, and they were not good. Uh, the four, uh, the the Rizicka line scored a really nice goal, but for the most part, they spent a lot of time playing in their own end and tried to dig themselves out of it. And so the Washington game, you know, if, if we're looking, you know, we talked about in previous episodes the concept of productive games. The Flames have twenty some games left in the season. I think uh, the game coming up against uh, Tampa Bay is game fifty seven, so they'll have twenty five games left. Start uh, twenty six, including the Tampa Bay game. Yeah. You want to squeeze the most juice you can out of those oranges to get yourself ready for the postseason, which means if you lose, you have to lose in ways that you learn something about your group. And the thing we learned about the group from the the Washington game, outside the fact is they all look really tired, which, duh, it was, I think, some deficiencies in the bottom six. And I think the challenge is now, like, okay, uh, like here's an example. Like you, you mentioned that you know the Daryl Sutter's comments about Adam Rizicka's play. He he's mentioned a few times that you know he, the language Daryl choose. Daryl's very very you know for someone who has a reputation as sort of being a, a folksy old farmer, Daryl is a really up on analytics to the point where a lot of uh, what happened in LA with them building out their analytics department was Daryl going to the, uh, the analytics department, the hockey ops people with questions they didn't know how to answer. 
And so a lot of the times they went, we'll find out Daryl. And then they end up hiring people to find out for Daryl because they didn't have the ability to dig into the data for a lot of things that he was thinking about. And the other thing Daryl is, Daryl is very tactical with the way he uses knowledge. He's very precise. He doesn't just say things. He knows what he's doing and he's very precise about what he says, both to players and to the media, about players. And so with Adam Ruzichka, you know, Adam Ruzichka has been told to get a place to, to stay, a, a full-time place, because that's a CBA thing. After you've been on the NHL roster for either 28 or 56 days, depending on the circumstances, you have, you get told to get a place. He's been on the NHL roster for almost 85 days. But I think if you're Daryl Sutter, you give two, you, you know, you don't give a, a hoot necessarily about the CBA telling guys to get a place because Daryl's main thing is he got lured off the farm to win. And I think he's still trying to figure out what Adam, what Adam Rusichka is to the point where he said there's a job for him to get here, a job for him to earn, a job for him to win, various types of, of phrasings he's used. But the phrasing he used is basically saying Adam Rusichka doesn't have a job yet. He's still applying for the job of an NHL center. And with the trade deadline coming up in 11 days, if Adam Rusichka doesn't get the job, do you go get somebody? Probably. And just just hypothetically, if they if they decide on March 11th, March 10th, March 20th, whatever day they decide, if they decide to send Adam Rizuchka down, all of a sudden they could afford Cali Earncroke with no salary retained. There's yeah, some that, that, and that's that's kind of interesting to me. Uh, or they'd have to retain like a if they have to retain anything. I'm fuzzing on the, the math depends on when they when they do it, but. You can you can blow all the all the farm on on Cali Yarncroke and your roster swap out would be Cali Yarncroke for Adam Rizichka. and I I don't I don't think it's unfair to call that an upgrade. I don't think you know you know uh, daily face off uh, our, our friend Frank Cervelli, uh he worked on uh, the the trade targets. Uh, if you go to the website uh, dailyfaceoff.com has currently 40 players on their trade target list. One of them, I believe, uh, he basically, they basically said, you know, Aaron Croak and Nick Paul out of Wash or out of uh, Ottawa are basically kind of equivalent assets. If you want a finesse guy, if you want like a versatile finesse guy who plays a speed finesse game, uh, a guy who fit in with his cousin, uh, Elias Lindholm, and, you know, the basically half of Team Sweden in Calgary. You go out and get Kyle Yarncroke. If you're thinking, you know, you want to have a bit more of some bite to your games, a guy to lean on guys, a guy to crash and bang and create some space for your, your, your other players and to wear other teams down, then you go out and get Nick Paul. Because Nick Paul, he's he's a, a left shot, but he can play center. He can play the wing. He's big. He's experienced. He's smart. He's just, you know, he's experiencing a huge breakout. And all signs point to him, at least right now, not re-signing in Ottawa, at least not during the season. And so if you're Ottawa, maybe you can, you know, get a third or a fourth round pick. If you're Calgary, you get a guy who seems like a Daryl Sutter player. And to be honest, I think both Dick Paul and Kelly Armcook would fit right in. But I think the, the reason we're seeing Daryl mix and match and tinker as much as we're seeing over the last week or two with the bottom six and really with all the forward lines outside of the top line is because he's trying to figure out what he needs out of these guys. And if he can't get it, where do they have to go to get something like that? I, I also, he also said to, uh, you know, lots going to need lots of different looks. He, he, he said, you know, he's like, Oh, I got to see what, cause you got to see what you have now. You, 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 no use trying to experiment and tinker in the playoffs when you don't know if it's going to work, you might as well figure out what works now beforehand. And it, it's not just for the playoffs. It's to beat really good teams coming in. Cause if you just keep your lines the same for 
hundred games, then teams will go, okay, well, this is exactly what they are. These are what these players do. Let's try and shut them down. You know, they played Monday and then come in against a good team, Washington team Tuesday, and they switch up, they just switch up their lines just a little bit. And Washington's depth players go, okay, well, we didn't game plan for that, right? We didn't game plan for uh, Toffoli being with Backlund and and Coleman. So a lot of different looks also throws off the other teams for their game planning and whatnot. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see different lines other than the top line uh, be matched up against Tampa as well. Or if they go back to the lines, say, for Tampa that they used on their 10-game win streak. I wouldn't wouldn't shock me. Um, he, he, I just think he wants to know what he has. And then also, you know, the trade deadline's coming up, you know, the G it's not like the GM just doesn't talk to the coach the coach will go to the GM and say, I really feel that this is the hole if, I need to fill. If, if you look at the, you know, we talked about the satirization of the Calgary flames. Do you really think that they didn't talk about yeah, exactly. what kind of player do you need? You know, the, the Daryl spent the last 30 games of last season, figuring out the flames I have. And, and that's why they brought in. That's why they brought in the Zadrov and Lewis. Daryl Sutter brought in Lewis and Pitlick. Daryl Sutter called Gabranson and said, "Would you be interested?" That's yeah. that's pretty significant. So you know, yeah. I I think you know I think the coach and and the, the general manager are hand in glove right now in terms of getting what they want out of uh, the group and getting what they want out of the trade deadline. I mean, Tyler Foley is a Daryl Sutter player. He plays the kind of style that Daryl likes, and he's. You know, Daryl uh, coached him. <laughs> he coached him. He's been and he, you know, he played a cabillion playoff games last year. And he's a guy who scores goals. And they were a team that needed guys to score goals. And I think now it's like, okay, uh, the guys who I think are safe, I think Brad Richardson is safe because he has cup rings and he, he can, you know, take he can play a lot of different things. And if you don't use him, he's 800 k you're not really losing out on anything. You can plug into the fourth line on any given night and give you exactly if, what you expect. He's, so. he's the type of guy in a playoffs. If you play seven games in the playoffs, you probably throw Blake or uh, Brad Richardson in for two of them. And he might not play a ton, but he'll give you a good honest minutes, but he's 36 years old. He's coming off some injuries and his body will, you know, his body's the limiting factor with him playing more. And so I think he's probably safe. The guys I'd be worried about uh, if I were them is I'd say uh, Brett Ritchie because Brett Ritchie has not been good. You know, he's, I'd say he's an NHL player, but he's a a very, very replacement level NHL player. He's Uh, the definition of replacement level. (laughs) Yeah. He's, 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 he's Brad Richardson without the nuance because Richardson can do a lot of different things. Uh, Brett Ritchie is all straight line speed and, you know, he's a good four checker there's some value in that, but he, you know, he's a non-entity offensively defensively. He's adequate. He doesn't play special teams at all. And so, you know, if, if, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if we see him on waivers sometime in the next two weeks, just so they can potentially move guys around Adam Rizicka. He's the easiest guy to move out because he doesn't need waivers this year. He's waiver exempt for the whole season. So, so in the event, out. like, yeah, in, in, in 15 seconds, you can be like, you know, got a calorie Coke trade going, need a roster spot. You can just go poke your head in the locker room and say, Rosie, you're going back to Stockton. He'll go, okay. and then he'll go to the airport and, you know, Bob's your uncle. And I'm pretty sure, you know, as much as they love Adam Rizic, he seems like a very nice kid. I don't think they're going to bat an eye about sending him down if it means they're going to have a team that has a better Long chance. Long term, he's got, he's got, he's, what, it, nine points in 21 games this year already? Like, like he he's shown his offensive ability. He just got to get that. Uh, if 
he'll be he'll be back next year. He'll be, yeah, he'll be on I the think, roster next like, year. We'll, 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 we'll need some cheap contracts, when, anyways. So we'll we'll get it. We'll get into the the cap minutia in future episodes. But it you know let's we we we've, we've well the 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 UFA situation RFA situation with them is well till ground. Uh, at this point, they want to keep Gaudreau. They want to keep Kachuk. They want to keep Andrew Majapani. They want to keep Shillington. They probably want to keep uh, Erica Branson at this point too. I have no idea how the math works. And the short answer of how the math works is move out some bodies and you find kids who can play. And if, you're, if I'm Jacob Pelche, I rub my hands together going, oh yeah, 874, yeah. man, 874K deal next year. He can slot him in and he'll be just fine. Adam Rizichka, he's going to be an RFA. I can't imagine. He's on a two-way right now. Maybe he gets a one-way. Maybe he gets a, a two-way with a, a better NHL. One of, those, one of those two-year deals where it's a two-way the one year and then one-way the second we, year. We, we, call that, we call that contract the John Gillies. It doesn't yeah. always work out. Like it didn't work out for John Gillies. But I mean, that's it's not a bad, it's not a bad way of running things. And so I think how they manage that's going to be very interesting. But yeah, I, th- I think, you know, uh, Frank Cervelli uh, did a radio hit with uh, Boomer in the Morning on Sports at 960 a Fan on Tuesday. And he laid out, you know, he thinks that the, based on what Frank's hearing, uh, much like they have done in previous years, the Flames will probably wait to the very last minute and then find out what kind of de- the best defenseman they can get for a third or fourth round pick. Uh, uh, Ryan Pinder mentioned, you know, previous years they've gotten – uh, uh, Eric, Eric Gustafson, they've got in uh, Derek Forbort, they've gotten uh, Oscar Fantenberg, like the depth defenseman, seven, six, seven defensemen, just extra NHL bodies. And Frank said, yeah, we'll probably do something like that. And based on the number of defensemen that are available, uh, he thinks they'll probably get a better quality of defensemen for a third or fourth rounder than they typically do, which is great. I mean, yeah. that's that'd be great. But I still think if I, I think they still need to figure out the fourth or the uh, the bottom six, because if you're if you're playing in a seven game series and you're seeing them over and over and over again, if I'm say, let's just say third round, they're going to play Colorado. Let's just say, hypothetically, if you're if you're reading the athletics, uh, Dom with Lesinski's, uh, I just botched his last name. I'm sorry, Dom. If you're reading Dom's forecasting, the session, yeah. If you're reading Dom's <laughs> forecasts right now, he's forecasting Flames make it through the first round. They make it to the second round. They lose in the third round. Who knows? That's my Micah's the same way. Yeah. yeah so mo- most of the models have Flames as a as the best team in the in the Pacific that gets through the third round. They still got to play the games. And honestly, you know, all due respect to the modelers, I've t- you know discussed this with some colleagues and we're all sort of the same opinion. Yeah, that's that sounds cool, but the the playoffs are a different animal and it's you know it's a short season. It's completely random. It's basically whatever goalie gets hot first. Or if you have a hot goalie and Nathan McKinnon happens to go all world on you for for five games, that can tilt you too. But yeah, it's it, it, but anyway. The, so the the best way to protect protect against randomness is just being good, and the best way to be good is to be deep and to be versatile. And the worst thing to do is to have some obvious obvious sore spots because, let's just say, second round series against Vegas, you really don't think Pete DeBoer will look at the the Flames roster and go, "What line is Sean Monahan on?" Yeah, pretty I mean, much. Pretty, that's exactly what I was saying. He's he's been getting a bit whipped lately, but I mean, his plays dropped off from where it was the first 40 games. He's transitioned. He's not a scorer anymore. He's not, he's not a getting to the front of the net and tap at home kind of guy. He, he's a power he's, play specialist. I mean, he's yeah. still got that shot. Well, he's, he's actually above for the last two seasons. He's tracked above replacement level 
uh, for even strength defense. He's actually turned himself into more of a defensive centerman. Now everyone's going to pile on me because they see the odd turnover here and the odd turnover there, and it always ends badly. But more often than not, he's down in, he's supporting the defenseman in the offensive zone or defensive zone. He's supporting, he's always in the right support position. So, the, so if you're going to improve upon him, you need someone that will at least be as good defensively minimum. This is not a year to be messing or, around. Or that. somebody that can help him out. I mean, if, if Sean yeah. Monahan's the only good defensive player on Sean Monahan's line, then Everything's on Sean Monaghan. And then the folks that love confirmation bias will look at the clips and go, I saw, I saw on TSN that uh, he turned a puck over. Therefore he's bad defensively. One, mm -hmm. if, if you have the puck all the time, you're going to give up the puck every now and then. I mean, that's the, the Oliver Shillington philosophy is you have the puck all the time. You're going to do cool stuff with it. One out of five times, you might screw it up. You, that means you better do cool things. The other four out of five times. Shillington does that. Monaghan doesn't yeah. really do that as much. That's why he's not in the first line anymore. But I still think I still think there's value to be had there. But I think the question is, okay, like again, we're talking about how do you get the most out of this last 26 games? How do you get the most out of the 23, 24-ish players who will be on the roster for the playoffs or up to the playoffs? Because I think the idea is how do you figure out what the best conf uh, configuration is? I think you know we might as well get into this now. So since Tyler Toffoli, uh, he, he had that first two games and they sort of settled in and then they put him on the power play and he's been good in the power play. He scored two power play goals. I really like Tyler Toffoli in the power play and Tyler Toffoli in the power play makes it so the power play is kind of interesting because you have, let's just go uh, the net out. PP1, you have Matthew Kachuk in that sort of behind the net rover position. And then you have the next set of three you have on the left side shooting right. So you get the quick one-timers to Foley in the middle you have uh Lindholm who can either deflect it or you know bat around he can do a lot of things work a chuck and roam back in and they get two guys in there that's how they scored uh, the, the power play goal that they they scored against Edmonton and, and then on the other side you have Johnny Gaudreau who's sort of he's basically we talked about the quarterback they have a, they basically do a, a sort of a side umbrella where the quarterback is really Gaudreau and it's, he's it's just Johnny or Anderson it's one of those two make the play the first play yeah, they it's usually, it it's usually off the right side wall where Gaudreau, Gaudreau either wanders to the right point and distributes or he wanders to the wall and distributes. He very rarely gets close into the middle. And then at the top, you have Rasmus Anderson. So they have three right-hand shots. If you're Gaudreau distributing from the left side, you can go across the seam uh, through the slot to, uh, to, to Foley or to Lindholm and or, so, or to the point to Anderson. And then if you're if you go to the other side and you're Anderson at the point or to Foley from the other flank, you have the ability to go, do a tip to Lindholm or a tip to Kachuk or go back to Gaudreau. There's a lot of door to Kachuk too, or a or a seam to Gaudreau from that side. So, so it's it's a different look than we usually see from the Flames. Typically, they don't have that many right hand shots on the unit, and it's been really good. So we're not here to cast aspersions on Kirk Muller, Daryl Sutter, or the first unit because the. It's been, they've made the right decisions. They've, I think, really like the configuration of players they have there. It's the second unit. So the second unit, uh, ladies and gentlemen, is these five players, and they're all left shots. It is Sean Monahan, it is Milan Lucic, it is Ajumanjapani, Noah Hannafin, Ras, uh, and Oliver Shillington. Occasionally, if Oliver Shillington has made a turnover. That Daryl Sutter can remember, and Daryl wants him to sort of calm it down. 
they put Nikita Zadorov in Shillington's spot. And, and a lefty, all lefties. And if it's in the third period and they have a lead and they have a power play, Chris Tanev goes over the boards with a minute or it, after the it, first it, unit goes off. Chris Tanev goes out on what they what what they have been doing. You'll you'll notice, folks, if you look at the underlings, a lot of times if there's 30, if they have a face off of 30 seconds or less left in the power play, they just put the regular lines out there. Yep. And then uh, the, usually their bump back unit is uh, for defense, it's Zadarov and Tanev, and then whatever forward line they want to put out, the guys who haven't been on recently. Usually it's a backland line. Usually it's it's been backland, Coleman, and uh, some rotation of the fourth guy. Lewis sometimes or yeah, yeah. The, the, it's it's sort of basically you know the uh, Jeff Ward called it the bu- the bump up line, uh, the bump up unit. Uh, it's essentially just that you you want to have some guys out there so that they won't get their heads caved in right after a power play. Like you don't score the power play. Sometimes you have a momentum lull, and they want to have guys out there who won't let there be a momentum lull. Chris Tanev does not let things have lulls. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. so the the thing. We talked about the things we really like about the first unit. You can do a lot of interesting things with the first unit. They've loaded up with all kinds of options. And if I'm a PK coach and the other team, I go, oh, God, you better have some good penalty killers there who are, are willing to get aggressive, but not too aggressive. Because if you're too aggressive, you open up too many seams. And if you're not aggressive enough, they just whip around the side and get a lot of deflections and bounces and stuff like that. Well, and we watched the second unit. It was so predictable where the one-timers were coming from the last two games. It was was their fourth. And the other thing I'm mad at, stop forcing one-timers. Walk in, take a damn wrist shot, and hope for a rebound. You could scramble in front of the net just as much as you can lose the puck on a cross-seam pass. The things, the the approach that makes the first unit work because they have righties and lefties on opposite sides and they get the quick passes, the one-timers, does not work nearly as well for the second unit because it's all lefties. When it's all lefties, you can approach from each player from a specific side because they're only going to be able to default one way. And you can all four of your players are rotating properly and pushing. You can you'll you get can, the puck back use, in 15 seconds. You can use a very simple check press to move everyone to mm-hmm. the to the right side of the zone because you know it's going to be a, a shot from the top from Hannafin or a shot from the right side from Shillington, and they just guard against it and. Mm-hmm. I if we're we're talking about potential changes to, to units and potential trades, if, right if, hand if, if it'd be lovely if they got a right head for or if you're gonna get a, a right shot defenseman. I mean the, the issue is I don't know who you'd take out because of the three righties, you're not taking out Good Branson. He's not going to the power no. play though. You're not taking out uh, Chris Tanev. Tanev Anderson's your play. number one defenseman. So yeah, there but I, I think you almost have to look at a right shot forward. And that might, yeah. limit, that might limit the they do. So you're either going to be... A, well, that, limit, that, limit, that limits you to Cal Yarncroft. <laughs> yeah, because you're, you're either going to be a one-unit power play team that is a really ineffective second unit because it's too predictable, or you're going to have just a bunch of guys who drive too many things. They, they've got penalty killers, too. Like, they've got tons of guys that kill penalties. They've got Coleman, Mangiapane, uh, Toffoli, Backland, Lindholm, Lewis... On any given night, those six are a great combination. So, to me, we were talking about you know the Cerebelli says they're going to add a D at the defense. Well, they're not obviously they haven't played Stone or let Stone get any fill in action. So he's they like him because he can sit in the press box and practice and not complain. He's, like he, he he's, never Michael complain. Stone is a pro with the capital P. He yeah he, he knows what he is. He was willing to take a. a a league minimum deal. He's their he's their insurance policy. If so, you can so have I, a better I, insurance policy than Michael Stone, 
I think my, even Michael Stone would get it. Yeah, so so I do think they get a left shot heavier defenseman that, that could fill in in case Zadarov ever goes down or or anyone like you know you could bump up Schilling to you, some some reason I I think they're lacking a heavy defenseman because Mackey and Balamacki are the next two in Stockton. So if you look at what you have, you don't really have that big presence that it, it almost well. it almost feels like there's two moves coming. Another, yeah, another, another like bottom six or middle six or like third line. Well, like, they need another center. Oh, they, need, they need another center that can fill in on the second or third line. They well, need I, and I, I think the big challenge is like Yarnikro isn't he? He's he can play center, mm-hmm. and he has he's played more center. Of a winger. Yeah, he's more of a winger. He's a winger who can, who can play center. He's kind of like he's basically a Swedish, more experienced Dylan Dubé in that he's more of a natural winger. He can play center and he's good at it, but that's not how he's been used in Seattle. It wasn't really how he's used a lot in Nashville either. And I think it, yeah, I, I think it feels like there's two moves coming because the depth defenseman move just fits like a glove. And I think they can make that happen. But I'd be curious, like right now, they're figuring, I think they're figuring out if they need to go get another guy. I wrote a, I wrote a call on the site uh, talking about Ocean's Eleven, one of my favorite scenes in, in all the film. I love Ocean's Eleven. I, I, I love Vegas. I love mobster and heist movies. Ocean's Eleven is right there in the Venn diagram with me. I'm right there in the overlap for Ocean's Eleven. But one of my favorite scenes of the movie is just, you know, you can just imagine, you know, Brad for living and Craig Conroy having this conversation. Uh, do you think we need to get one more guy? I think we need to get one more guy. I think we need to get I one think, more guy, yeah. I think they need to get two more guys. I, 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 the depth D, I see, um, it could be a Kulak. It could be someone else, someone that you, it's probably not going to be anyone you pay a significant asset for. It's going to be the old school but I do, like Frank said, it's going to be better than the Oscar Fantenberg. So, Derek Forbort was fine. Derek Forbort was a fine depth. Eric, Eric Gutsonson was just good to the yeah, power play. He's yeah, a non, he was a good like, PP merchant. Like, like, but, but, but like, if you can get another Forbort for just a rental to end, like, I love Luke Chen. I love, I love Luke Chen as an option. He, he's cheap, but he's, he's, I think he signed for next year too, um, which is, which makes it problematic. But that's a guy. That if you're gonna spend a significant asset with extra year on it, that's someone that could effectively, if you can't re-sign Goodbranson, fill Goodbranson's role, and it could play a similar style. He shoots his right-hand shot defenseman. I think Luke Shannon still ends up in Toronto, or I did until they got Ilya Labushkin. So now I'm I'm a little confused because Vancouver most likely is probably gonna sell him off because he there's there is a lot of interest in him as a depth defenseman. That's just a fun name to say. Ilya get. Labushkin is a fun name to say. Yeah. And uh, so, so I like Luke Chan as a depth defenseman. He's a right-hand shot. He's played more recently, uh, but he's not going to bump anyone really out of the lineup though. It's that, that's, that's the problem. Like you get to acquire a guy, you still got 20 games left. So are you going to give good Branson nights off just because, or are you still going to try and do the best roster until you get that X beside your name? Uh, I, I, I think they absolutely need a centerman, someone who can replace or fill in for Sean Monahan, or in that third line role or second line role, preferably holds his hand, uh, shoots the stick right. At this point, though, I'll just take someone who can provide a bit more offensive support. Uh, it, then they're good, and, I, and ideally, someone that can help that second power play because, like the PK, mm-hmm. the Flames have a top five yeah, PK. PK in the league. The PK has been excellent, excellent. That that weird game against Vancouver, notwithstanding, the PK has been superb. Uh, Ryan Huska and the coaching staff have done a great job with the PK. Mm-hmm. I think the power play with the, the new power play has been very, very good. It's just the second unit sticks out like a sore thumb. So I, I think they need to work on that, but 
I think, uh, like you said, we're, we're at the point now where the Flames are. Let me open up the NHL.com standings. This is as of Wednesday night, just before supper time. The yeah, Flames have 70. The Flames have 75 games, games. Yeah. The, the best non-playoff team, and everyone listening to this will giggle a bit, except for uh, for the folks editing this at, at our home office in Edmonton. The Oilers are the best non-playoff team right now. They have 64 points. The Flames are 11 points up on on, on the first non-playoff spot. Yeah. So, and they have a game in hand on Edmonton. So potentially the Flames, you know, they're between 11 and 13 points up depending on that game in hand. They swept, they swept the postponed games. They didn't lose one of them. Eight out they, of didn't, eight. they didn't lose one of them. That's, that's I mean, pretty damn good. Daryl was wrong in the sense that, you know, at the press conference, Daryl cited it and said they, they got 15 out of 16 points. He was wrong, and I'm not going to tell him to his face because he's scary. Yeah. Uh, but 16 out of 16 points is the reason they're in a playoff spot and it is the reason they're – as high up as they are they could have gone 500 and they would be in the mix but they found ways to run the table and you know you got to tip your hat to them because they were given the up they were put in a weird position they they had they were off for 19 days the face of the team was kind of garbage garbage is a mean thing to say they were figuring things out and guys were still dealing with after effects of covid and uh, not just of covid of not being on the ice or being together or practicing or anything for that 19 days so it take it took them a while you know, we think of the year that uh, the year that johnny gaudreau uh didn't come to training camp because he didn't have a contract and then he signed the day before the regular season he wasn't great for the first two three weeks of the season and it's because his timing was off and his reps were off and he didn't have you know th- there's a difference between skating on your own at home or working out at home and being a game shape and game pace and the flames until i'd say i don't know mid-january weren't really themselves they weren't at game pace and then a, a switch flipped for them and since then they've been you know all they, went out out. East. they went out east they went through the nice warm weather of florida and carolina and came home got their butts kicked came home got their butts kicked by the senators and then we're like okay that's enough of that yeah, since since <laughs> since the since that the, flat, sense. that flat flat game against ottawa where yeah. it looked like the flames always ottawa game. too you know, Ottawa, if, if you want to, if you want to have a team, a, a likable, scrappy little team that'll kick you in your ass and set you straight, Ottawa's that team because Ottawa, you know, there are no nights off against Ottawa. The Flames saw that last year. And I thought Ottawa was the right team at the right time to give them that proverbial kick to the teeth to right the ship. And since then they've played very, very well. They are arguably one of yeah. the best teams in the NHL to set. So you got to yeah. give Ottawa credit for, give it to them and you got to give the team credit for reacting to it but i think you know if if you're looking at you know more broadly i think those are the kind of things they need to look at because you know it's they, they have some time left but it's just a matter of making it useful making it worthwhile right yeah yeah it's it, the, i'm pumped that they want them they're in a good spot you still have to keep winning down the stretch obviously they're in a very good spot they play consistently every day <laughs> like if their bad night is what happened against washington I'm not worried. Like if that's uh, their bad effort, they still were structurally sound. They made a few mistakes. Yeah, if you put Markstrom in, probably one or two of those goals probably don't go in, and the Flames win. And like, so that's why it's like, well, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent like worried. I'm, I'm, I, they, 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 they've always bounced back to their longest winning losing streaks like four or five, but that was spread out through the COVID. 
I think they've uh, lost like four or five with some overtime. Regulation, their most they've lost is four, and it's only so, once. Uh, this, this will be out of date, hope, probably by the time you listen to this. But yeah. uh, the Flames, uh, the Flames magic number, uh, and Pat, Pat Steinberg pretty much perpetually, once we get past the, the trade deadline, we'll be posting these almost on a nightly basis on his Twitter. So make sure you follow Pat if you don't already. Let's be honest, you're all following Pat already. Uh, but for the three of you who aren't at Fan 960 Steinberg, there, you're taken care of. But so uh, Pat's the, the, the magic numbers guru. Right now, the Flames magic number as of this recording is 20. Uh, the fl- 20 points will ensure for 20, a combination of 20 Flames wins and Oilers losses will guarantee that the Flames cannot finish in a statistical tie of the standings with Edmonton and lose in a tiebreaker. Uh, if the Flames, you know, at some point it'll drop down by 0.5 or randomly because the Flames will clinch a tiebreaker on Edmonton and then it just makes them a little bit closer. But for, for argument's sake, we're always going to say 20. Uh, so what? Here, so here's the thing. Here's the thing with the Flames. The Flames have 26 games left right now. If they go 500, they that means they win 13 games. That means the magic number drops to seven. So we're not saying that the Flames are a guaranteed playoff team because it's life. There are no guarantees. We just went through two years, hopefully not very much longer, but we just went for two years that basically said there are no guarantees in life. Ha ha ha. So that that you know, the 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 context in mind, the flames are in a position where they've been playing at a 670 point percentage pace. If they go 500, which would be an extreme situation of the wheels falling off and the bus catching fire and then the fire having a plane crash into it. If things go extremely poorly for the Flames and they go 500, they're probably still a playoff team, very comfortably. If they go 500, they're a 100-point team. There's another guy on Twitter too, post trade that he he only emerges post trade deadline. It's uh, he uh, actually he's he's one of the VPs of the NHL. Yeah, is is his last name starts with an E. I know Free Free retweeted. And right uh, after, I, I forget the guy's name, but he's a great I Twitter always follower. Do too. He yeah, does he, the we'll, we'll we'll make sure. Yeah, the the the, the, the full thing with the red markers on the bottom. He does the table. The best. I will be retweeting him consistently. So if you follow me you'll find it uh if you follow friedman which if you're listening to a hockey podcast and you don't follow elliot friedman then i really don't know what you're doing here but it'll he's the he's the bet it's the easiest the way he has it laid out and everything to see how close you are to clinching versus how close teams are to falling out so you can gradually watch edmonton try because they have to catch they're not no they're no longer playing with house money they're playing catch up because Nashville and Dallas have passed them for the wild card and they have to try they and are, get by Vegas or they LA. Are three to get points into behind, they are three points behind Dallas for the last playoff spot. Yeah. yeah and LA, have, is, LA is comfortably in it as well. Fairly comfortable. L, L, right now. With their games in hand. LA, LA is comfortably second. The Flames LA is are comfortably well. first. That Deno signing put the, uh, uh, that allowed him to be their defensive stalwart and allows them to free up. Now, they waited half the year, and then they brought Byfield up, too. They let Byfield have his time to dominate the league, and now they're like, okay, we're going to give you sheltered minutes as well. He, he we're was gonna, hurt. We're... Byfield was hurt for a little bit, too. Yeah, but but just the way they have it, they've got Kopitar and Dano. And if you you never need to put the young kid in his own zone, you can start him in the neutral zone or the offensive zone all the time without any hesitation. The the, the nice thing it's for L.A., not... LA is LA. LA is good. This will sound really mean, and I apologize for everyone involved. 
LA is like if the 14-15 Flames were actually good. The 14-15 Flames were a team that really rode some percentages, and it was really fun. And, you know, I think uh, some of the results were a mirage because you can't be outplayed for 80% of the game and then have crazy late comebacks all the time. That's not a – Comeback kids, that, man. That, that basically sets up a very shaky foundation for a house to be built on. And shockingly, the foundation collapsed after the uh, – after the first round when they faced when, Anaheim and Anaheim was much more, much they more got the one game. playoff matchup against the one team that was worse had more points. The flames got her favorable matchup that year and yeah. give them credit. They were put up against an inferior opponent and they beat their brains in great. You should, they should have won that series and they won that series fairly handily. Some exactly. of the games were closer than they needed to be and a little more dramatic in classic 14, 15 flames fashion, but the, the Flames deserve credit for winning that series, but they also deserve credit for what getting they their butts handed to them by Anaheim. Yeah, and I and I think you know the in pre, in successive seasons, I think the Flames have altered their team construction as a result of a couple of the the, the pounding in seven in fifteen, the pounding in seventeen, and the the crushing by Colorado in nineteen. I think they've reacted to them all the right way and made some nice changes. That said, LA is like if the fourteen fifteen Flames were good in that. LA has a lot of good players and good young players. And they have players playing in Ontario who are waiting the wings. And they have players playing in, in junior and college who are waiting the wings. They are a good, fast, smart, really well-coached, really well-managed team. Rob Blake knows a thing or two about hockey. And they've built a team with an infrastructure that supports it. And <laughs> I, I would not want to be is the best in the league. I would not want to be the team that plays the LA Kings in the first round. I might not want to be the team that plays the LA Kings in the second round. We might be covering the team that plays the LA team, LA Kings in the second round at this rate, because Vegas is not guaranteed to make the playoffs. I still think Vegas makes the playoffs very comfortably. I, still, I think Vegas plays LA. I, I think Calgary. Oh, at this point, I think Calgary finishes that's, first. If Ve Vegas, Vegas LA, right. Vegas LA in a two-three series, that'd be fun for media because you get to go between. Yeah, if you're either in you Vegas get, or Los Angeles, yeah. <laughs> first of all, the weather's going to be great, and and two just gorgeous buildings, two gorgeous yeah. buildings, two great fun cities. Crypto.com arena. No one's ever going to call. <laughs> Remember, it's not Staples Center anymore. Can they call it the Crypt? We're going down to the Crypt. No. Well, Jack Michaels on the Bruins broadcast was burning it the other day. I uh, remember. That would be uh, Jack Michaels is Edmonton. Oh no, no, that's Jack. Yeah, Jack Edwards. Edwards, yeah. Yeah, the Bruins broadcaster, the one that says controversial stuff all the time. He was ranting about them mid Bruins. The crypto classic Boston. But yeah, so I don't know. But so the the point of this interlude is, I mean. I would, if you're, if you're a Flames fan, I would say this, don't book travel that you can't reschedule for May. I don't know about June yet. Wait till, wait, we'll see what happens in May and then we'll fit, we'll advise you on your June we've, travel plans. We've all been hurt too much in the past to make second round plans. So just plan for the first when round. I, when hope, I started let's doing hope this we, thing, let's when hope I started doing watching. this thing, I've covered the Flames since 2010 you could reliably make playoff or make travel plans for the second or third week in April, and you never had to reschedule them. And I've never been happier to be more inconvenienced by a group of men who have overachieved at times. And actually, I'd say they haven't overachieved in the last couple of years. They've under, maybe, they maybe underachieved, under. maybe achieved what they should have achieved. But yeah, I think uh, it's going to be an interesting few months. And Shane, 
how did you hurt yourself? Uh, I got a text yeah. from Shane. We were, we were discussing when we were going to uh, schedule the, the recording. And his phrase was, oh, I don't know. I hurt my shoulder. Like, I mean, I, I, I'll say that I'll say this. I, I just I'm just finishing rehabbing a shoulder injury. I have range of motion again. No pain. Uh, thank you to uh, my, my better half sent me a list of, hey, try these, uh, you know, different maneuvers, exercises and stuff. Uh, she had to she, she had an injury. She had to rehab. So the fact that she, she was very good about doing that has been very good at reminding me not to skip out of mine because. That way I won't whine so much about being sore. Uh, but I slipped on some ice like a, like a fool during a Chinook and just landed right on my shoulder. And thankfully nothing was broken. The folks at AHS were like, you're fine, walk it off. Which, I mean, they gave me pills. So at that point I'm fine with walking it off. But I, that's not the dumb, like the dumbest, uh, we, we were discussing this uh, before the recording. The dumbest thing I've, the dumbest way I've ever hurt myself. Uh, and we'll let, uh, I bet, you, I bet you mine tops yours. I bet you, I bet you it might. But so I was in high school. Uh, I was reading comic books. I was coming back from a trip to the comic book store at lunch, and a bunch of it's a beautiful spring day. You know, beautiful sun's out, birds are chirping, flowers are blooming, green grass, everyone's happy. You know, people are playing frisbee. You know, and it, it, typically we spit, we play the the you know play frisbee. Kevin Ultimate game going on for the lunch hour. But today, you know, I'm like, oh, sorry, guys, I'm going to go get comics. Come back with comics, about 20 minutes left in lunch hour or something. Have my comics open. I'm actively reading something as I'm walking up. Someone says, hey, you know, hey, you're coming back. Here, we'll, 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 we'll deal you in. They sort of threw the frisbee at me. And so anyone who's met me in person knows that I am, to be generous, not a coordinated person. There's a reason why this is how I made the NHL and not anything physically demanding or involving skill or coordination. And so I, 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 have, I have many friends, especially in high school, who are really good athletes. Some of them you know, became triathletes and a lot of different things. Uh, I, I went to high school with Ryan Stone, who played briefly in the NHL uh, before, unfortunately, he had a knee injury. So I was, I was not the least coordinated person I know, but I was far from the most coordinated. So the Frisbee's coming towards me sort of horizontally. And I'm thinking, okay, here's what I'm gonna do. I've seen people do this before. I'm gonna look really cool without putting down my book, I'm going to lift my foot up and sort of angle my foot so that the Frisbee hits my foot and just sort of angles down. And I'll sort of, you know, we've seen people do it before, just sort of slapping down the Frisbee with your foot and being like, no, no, I'm not, they're not playing here. Whap. I didn't get my foot up high enough or fast enough. So instead of going, hitting the, the, fris, my, the Frisbee, hitting my foot and going down, it hit the top of my foot and glanced up and hit me right in the face. And I just fell over. And as soon as people knew I was fine, they just started pointing and laughing. And it was a very embarrassing moment. I wasn't really hurt. It like hit me in the cheek and knocked my glasses off. But I mean, your pride was, your pride was injured. <laughs> my pride was injured. My glasses were fine. I didn't even have a shine or anything. I, so I basically just had like, you know, shame and regret were my only injuries. But that's my, that's my go-to story for the, the silliest way I've been injured. Well, so this, this current neck uh, I went to the chiropractor. I have a severe neck kink. Uh, I got it from sleeping. So that's great. Uh, I woke up one day and it hurt and I went to work and I moved it around a bunch. And, and then the next day I woke up and it was worse. And then today I woke up and it was just as bad. And I went, I'm going to go see somebody. But the most embarrassing would be I was playing hockey and I was like peewee or something like that. And I went to go someone dumped the puck in and there was a guy chasing me and I was going up the middle of the ice and I, he was doing the old leg shake. I didn't know which side he was going to go. And I was trying to focus on him 
and make sure I didn't, you know, give him a free pass to the puck. But I wasn't paying attention to where my stick was and where the net was. And the toe of my stick hit the post. And instead of sliding off the left or off the right, like you'd imagine, I somehow hit it dead center. So my stick stopped and went right into my gut, took all the wind out of me. I crawled to the bench and I passed out. And the nurse mom come over and woke me up. I remember seeing a bunch of colorful trains, a colorful owl, and there was a bunch of things happening. And I woke up and they were like, dude, you just knocked yourself out with your own stick. And I went, huh? <laughs> and yeah, that, that's probably the most embarrassing. Uh, the other one was I was golfing and uh, there's two tees set up uh, simultaneously. And one of my coworkers was on the other tee and I didn't notice. And he chucked a golf ball to try and throw me off my swing. He, but he baseball pitched it. It went off a branch, went between my feet. I heard the thud. I looked down and it bounced right up and hit me in the chin and actually knocked me on my back. So I've had, uh, I have a few good ones. Uh, uh, yeah, the, 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 the one, my, my friends growing up, they, uh, they still remember the, I knocked myself out with my stick one that I still can't believe it didn't slide off either side of the post, but yeah yeah that was in front of a whole crowd of people and i there was all there was all kinds Okotoks. of girls watching and in Okotoks, yeah. yeah every every pretty girl in Okotoks watched you knock yourself out with your own stick that's that yeah i i guess i hear i hear someone else laughing too and it's well deserved it's well deserved i uh yeah i i, I survived which was the important part so the, well th- you know, that, at least you can laugh about it now. At the time, you probably didn't think it was very funny. But that's that's the thing about age. It makes everything funny, especially Dustin Penner throwing out his back eating pancakes. <laughs> that is my favorite bad injury. Uh, and, and, and Shane, I, Shane, you're young, and I, I got to warn you, as you hit your 30s, just more dumb stuff is going to go wrong with your body. I have uh, It's already started. I'm 28. I oh, kicked God. in early. I'm I'm. I'm, I'm I have, a, I have an uncle who uh, blew out his back sneezing once. So it's only going to get worse for us. Yeah, well, we'll survive. That's why they, that's like you said, they gave you, the, they gave you some magical pain pills when you hurt your shoulder. So God, as long God as bless. we have doctors, we will be okay. God bless Canadian universal healthcare. And a shout out to all our, uh, all our frontline healthcare workers who, in addition to dealing with an active pandemic, have had to deal with dumbasses like me hurting themselves. So, uh, we don't pay you guys enough, so thank you. Uh, anyone, uh, anyone, if you know, uh, if you have a healthcare worker in your life, uh, I will say this. The Saddle has had two to 3,000 empty seats the last couple of games. You want to do a, give, a, give a gift to the, the healthcare worker in your life, give them some Flames tickets because uh, good seats still available. Flames.com slash tickets. Good seats, good team. Quality show no matter when they play at the Dome, so. And you, you get to see fire shoot out when they score goals and they score a lot of goals. So you'll see fire shoot out a lot. It'll be a great time. Not guaranteed. It'll probably be a great time. We'll give you a 90% likelihood. Take ourselves uh, off the liability. <laughs> exactly. Not a guarantee. Uh, Flame Station Radio is brought to you every week by our friends at DoorDash and by Eau Claire Distillery. The folks who make the, the delicious is it nutritious? It contains some kind of nutrients. Uh, Rupert's Whiskey, the official whiskey of the Calgary Flames. That'll do it for this edition, episode 22 of Flames Nation Radio. Uh, feel free to comment in the comments and on Twitter to, to chime in with your own embarrassing injury story. There is no prize involved, 
but we really want to hear them so we can all laugh at ourselves together. Odds are it's not going to be as bad as mine is. So uh, just let me know if you can somehow top me. Let me know. <laughs> so for Shane, I'm Ryan. Thanks for listening. Have a great week, guys. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 